you know what kind of people ask if you're going to have kids? Parents! That's and it's usually the kind of parents have little shit to serve. They want you to come over to the dark side. People who are so jealous of your freedom that they hope you'll make the same decision they did so they're not alone. I mean, whenever I meet someone with kids and they say, when will you have one of your own? Just look at them as their kid is wiping his nose on my sleeve and think, you're not selling this to me. The kid isn't the poster child for me wanting to change my mind. And I'm so tired of people asking me, when are you having kids? And it's the way they ask, when? Not, would you like to have children? Do you think you may have kids one day? I mean, I don't go around saying, why the fuck did you have kids? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, All Kidding Aside. I'm your host, Crystal Bartelzi, and that was a clip from my one-woman show, All Kidding Aside, and this is the inaugural episode, and I'm really excited because we're sitting here with my director of that show, Michelle Polak. Hello. Hi, Michelle. Michelle's a Dora Award-winning actor, writer, director, and a mom amazing woman. And then we're going to get to her in just a few minutes. Um, got lots of questions to talk to her about, about herself as a parent and about the process of creating the show. But I just want to kind of set up this podcast and where it came about. So when I created my show about a year ago, um, it came out of the idea that after I was married, which was about two and a half years ago, um, literally everyone started asking myself and my husband, when are we having kids? And we're just at that point where we're not even sure if we want to have kids. I'm a woman in my late 30s. I do have to make that decision quite soon. I'm aware of that. But um, I keep going back and forth. I've been on the fence for a long time about whether we should make that decision, make that step. And through that, I decided to create a show about it. And then this podcast going forward, I'll be talking to all kinds of women sort of inspiring me to maybe have a child or to not have kids and their reasonings why they don't have kids, ultimately realizing that I can only make this decision for myself. But uh, welcome our first guest, Michelle Polak. Hi. Hi. You just finished uh, a show? I did. Last night? Yep. Are you are you exhausted or you're feeling good? I'm feeling fine. You're feeling fine? Yeah. It's a show I did 20 years ago, I and I revisited the role I created 20 years I know. ago. And, and I saw it on Friday, and you're a powerhouse. You're Why, climbing you. ropes and everything. Yep. Climbing ropes, hanging upside down, yeah. drumming, okay. singing. You must be sore. Uh, no more than usual. No more than usual. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to talk about Michelle's body. You can't really see it, but she's a very, very strong woman. So I have a six pack now. You do. You, I think you did in, before. In, I had now. an eight pack in 20 years ago. <laughs> this time it was a six pack. All right. I'm proud of myself. It's hard yeah. to do all that in your mid forties. You should be proud. Um, and I know mid forties. And then you're also a mother of two a kids. A mother of two kids slash five kids. Five kids. With a blended family. I know. Yeah. Which, which we're going to get to because your, your whole family, uh, what do you call that? Family. Blended family. Bl- blended family yeah. is amazing. And that's a story in itself. So um, so we met because I was looking for a director and you came recommended. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I met you in the coffee shop yeah. on, on College Street. Common? Yeah, yeah, Common. And one of my, I guess, what is it? My, my list of things that I was looking for in a director is that 
the person had children because mm. I wanted that juxtaposition about mm. the director having kids and myself. And I didn't know if you had kids, but I remember meeting you. And then in the first two minutes, you recognize someone. Someone came up to you and was like, hey, Michelle, how are the kids doing? And mm-hmm. then I knew instantly. I was like, yes. In the first 10 minutes, I was sold because I just knew you were the right person. And you're also an actress and Adora award-winning actress, I should say. And then you decide to have your kids 10 years ago was your first? 12. 12 years ago. Okay. So being a performer, and I know we've talked a lot about this, um, did you always want kids? I did. You did. I knew that I wanted children, but instead of going down the road of um, having a wedding, getting a house... And then having the kids, mm-hmm. I've, I've never been like a straight arrow kind of gal. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea that I would in- enter into a 16 year relationship with a, a fella I met in theater school. And that one night, that one kiss led to 16 years. And then at the 10 year mark, uh, I invested in a house. I thought I'd rather have a nest and I didn't want to invest all that money into a day mm-hmm. for a wedding. So I had a sense that I knew I came from a family with a, a brother. So two, two kids in the house. And so I knew that, that having kids was important to me. I knew that the year I got engaged, uh, I, my parents got divorced. So that kind of made me question a little mm-hmm. bit about that whole institution. And then being with him for 10 years, um, there was never really a moment where I thought, oh, we're ready to have kids because as artists and, you know, you're going often so hand to mouthy. It's like, there's not really a good time to have a baby. Like it doesn't really pan out always like you imagine you have these kinds of ideas, perhaps when you're really young about how things are going to work in the world. Our dreams are set up like that mm-hmm. too, when we're in our teens or twenties. And you think, you know, if you don't, so by, by 23, I was a, a wash up in the sense that my childhood dreams didn't pan out to what, what I thought. thought they should be. Mm-hmm. So. We were together for 10 years before uh, we were pregnant with Charlie. We were probably at a tipping point at that point in the relationship, now in retrospect, not not knowing. But I was pregnant with Charlie. I only knew I was pregnant with Charlie because I didn't finish my corona. Okay. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't feel like it? I was in, way into mm-hmm. addiction at that point, And I was like, oh, I didn't finish my beer. That's never happens. Maybe I'm pregnant. So I happened to be on a uh, trip to Montreal where I'm from to visit my family. And I, I took a, a test and it was positive and I flipped out. And so I bought like four more of all the different kinds just in case they were wrong. Did you flip out in like a negative way or just out of shock? Are we swearing on this podcast? Uh, you can totally swear. Are you fucking kidding me? Like this, you know, like, and whoa, like that. Like, wow. So it wasn't totally planned. Like it was planned that we were going to have children, but not like, this is the moment we're going to try kind of thing. I didn't have time to cleanse, mm-hmm. you know, like it was like, here we go. It's, it's on. Um, after my couple bottles of Corona, after my couple of a decade of Corona. Yeah. So it, be, it became the beginning of a trip. Wow. Okay. And then you gave birth um, to your daughter, Charlie in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then um, you have a son mm-hmm. as well. So was that planned or uh we that knew happened again spontaneous it was relative mm-hmm. it wasn't like okay let's start trying for a second mm-hmm. it was um i think because we we had this idea that we were going to be together forever and whatever it was like you don't use contraception at that point it's like oh okay. god so gross <laughs> um so for us it was russian roulette okay I always knew that I I wanted more than one child. I didn't. I I was concerned of the narcissistic firstborn mm-hmm. itis. Uh, but then Holden came around, and that's that. Okay, and, like it's kind of you know, just happened. The son, mm-hmm. the daughter, the Dora, 
the home, the career, like it was, it was all the tropes of a successful life. Mm -hmm. But um, on my trip and in my journey, that wasn't enough for me. It was, uh, you know, so I did it. Check. Yeah. All the things that you think in, in society you have to have, you know, you're a little girl, you dream about being an actor, you go to theater school, you have your honors degree, you come out of the gates, you get your Dora, you get your husband, which we never were married, but yeah. um, we never ever did get married. It was a 16 year common law thing. And mm-hmm. there I was, even like when I first found out I was pregnant with Charlie, I gave up all my partying, like immediately. I gave up everything that would have been like, it was a baby. Right? Yeah, so a huge lifestyle change. Everything. Yeah. I didn't drink coffee. I didn't chew gum. I was like, this is a pure thing. I better be good. Like, and uh, Lion, my partner at the time, he was um, always very proud of me for that. Mm-hmm. Then in that moment, I was able to sacrifice all for this other creature and um, give her a shot at a non seventies upbringing on mm-hmm. KD and mm-hmm. crap. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, a huge shock. And it is a shock. It completely changes your life. Mm-hmm. Completely. There's no way around it. I know, which is why I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. Okay, but during the pregnancy, you made a huge lifestyle change. But then do you remember, you know, having your one child, your two children, and then still trying to figure out a way to manage your career? Well, I was working. Um, so I'd performed the overcoat with Charlie when I was three months and when she was five months, I did an international tour with her. I did London, Australia, New Zealand with her in my belly. And I received my Dora at eight months pregnant. That's amazing. Adam, uh, not Adam McGoyne. Um, what's his nuts? Uh, one of our big Canadian writers. Doesn't actually matter. See, okay. The thing is, it doesn't actually fucking okay. matter in the end. <laughs> but you should remember who handed that I to should. you. I yeah. should. I've also had 20 okay. years of dope smoking and two babies. I don't okay. remember anything okay. other than maybe my lines from okay. last night. And then I'm like, gone. I should know who this is, but I'm like, you got to give me more. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, anyway, you got handed a Dora. You know, so I waddled up there thinking my <laughs> career was over. Like, that was I'm getting it? my Dora. I'm going to have Charlie next month and I'm going to be a wash up. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I also had this idea that I believed in an almost old fashioned way that if you're going to be a parent, you have to parent your child. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to like spit her out and then suddenly have a third party raiser. Mm-hmm. I know we've had many discussions about that. Like I know, I know. And I couldn't afford yourself. even yeah. to have daycare. Yeah. Like I would have had to have a part time job to then be able to have daycare to then maybe get back on the boards. Like the whole thing in my economic Mm -hmm. stratosphere just the whole thing just didn't work up in that classic kind of way neither of us had like steady incomes we're both self-employed like it was like how the hell are we going to do this but i knew that if i had a baby i wanted to be her mom or his mom and i and i believe to this day that the first six years of a child's life is fundamental to how their whole trip stacks up Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be able to help them have a healthy relationship with their bum and how they poo Mm -hmm. and how they read and speak and eat and think and be able to nourish that, that person. So that, that kind of commitment, even, you know, there's a a huge uh, dividing line that starts right away where are you going to nurse? Are you going to breast? Like, are you going to supplement formula? And, and there's a divide right there because having a child shows you that time is, is a makey yuppie thing. A baby will be in the middle of a growth spurt and be nursing for four straight hours. And you're thinking, what the hell? But right. if you I think it's on a schedule, <laughs> you know, if you're going to put the baby on a schedule that you decide in the formula, you, you're not actually listening to cues anymore. 
I went into a very grassrootsy kind of place in my parenting style where, and that's not to judge other people's choices mm-hmm. because that's one of the first things you learn as a parent is like, everyone's doing their best. They have to do what works for them. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like a giant mushroom trip. But for me, putting the child first and sliding myself out of that position uh, was a huge transition, mm-hmm. but I think probably one of the smartest things I ever did, because suddenly the egocentric artist in me couldn't have center stage. Right. So did you, would you say in a, in a sense, you put your career on hold? I did put my you, career you on hold. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I technically worked consistently, uh-huh. but at the time I, I didn't know that I would get this little contract here and then do that contract there. And yeah. I got to do I, Claudia, when Charlie was a year in Gananoque. Mm-hmm. So there I am now doing a one woman show, a really successful one when like the first time Kristen Thompson gives it to somebody else is me. And there I am with the huge breast milky boobs, <laughs> you know, being able to come off stage and nurse her. And, you know, I, I did that actually, I worked right away when Charlie was four months old on Little Dragon and I would like literally get off the stage, nurse her at intermission and get back on the deck. But you, did you have help then? Like, were there other people backstage, obviously? The people backstage were other theater artists. So yeah. at the time it was Jennifer Tarver, uh, Bea and Trevor, Bea Pisano and Trevor Schwellness, like other, uh, other close theater They're mates of community. mine. So my community, because my family wasn't mm-hmm. in town, was my theater community. And so they would hang out with the baby in the green room mm-hmm. and I would Amazing. go on the deck and, but it was stressful. It's oh, like, I'm, cause I'm... my baby never took the bottle and she never took a pacifier. And so I was all of those things. You were fully responsible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine like, you know, doing a show is stressful and there's so much you got to focus on. So on top of that, of having to run off the stage and breastfeed, I can't imagine that. Yeah. Well, I would wear these breast pads and do this sign for, for there's a, there's like a, a sign from nurse when you're nursing and teaching babies yeah. how to do sign language where I would just do this sign for the stage manager and she would know I have to nurse because I could feel my breasts were leaking and I was like uh-oh <laughs> I gotta go but I had a Marion DeVries was my first director after my first baby and she was a parent mm-hmm. so she just knew that I had to nurse and I was so grateful to have a female director as my first imprint because she didn't shun me She's like, if your baby needs to be around, then your baby's That's around. You gotta do. And that was really, really kind and very helpful. And then Leah Cherniak was also my next, like one of my next mm-hmm. big directors when Charlie was a baby. And she also was a parent. She has Margaret. So all these incredible with, women that were well, Richard short. Rose and her had Margaret. And so I was like, she's going to come by and get some milk. And then she's going to go off with some young hippie we found and <laughs> hope for the best. Yeah. And and your partner was supportive of you still working during this time, or obviously there was no choice. Like being a theater artist, you still had to work. We we just took the work when we, we could yeah. get it. It's we weren't at a position where, where we, we were like decline jobs or that, anything. No, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever. Dec- I hardly have ever declined anything. Like I need to work. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. also how I've established myself because I've done it a bit different. I I uh, came out of the gates so freaked out by film and television because I kind of thought my face was heinous. And didn't know and what to do with that. Woman, so. But at the time, right, when you're a little wee monkey coming mm-hmm. out of theater school, you don't know. And I'm up against all the models mm-hmm. selling stuff that's going to destroy Mother Earth and against my core values. And I can't find what, what the fuck to do with myself. And so eventually I just ditched the agent and represented myself. And took all the theater gigs that you can. I only worked in theater and never looked back. I have mm-hmm. never had an agent since. And I don't, I just decided to pull myself out of the arena of film and TV, which is where you make all your money. Mm-hmm. And theater, you make Why no money. money. 
So that's also a bizarre choice. Yeah. But it, it it's one that has served me because I am not, I learned over my 20 years recently, like having the anniversary of this show, it's, it's about 20 years that I've been in this business, that we are human beings, not human doers. Yeah. And so I'm slowly over and continuously trying to help define myself by what, who I am by not what my status is to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I got the house and the door and the things and all the things that technically are like, check, you're successful. But uh, never before was I as, you know, lost. So I've had to redefine what is important to me. And uh, I sometimes play a game called deathbed. Which you taught me. You taught me how to play so that. So when, yeah. when you're lost and you're caught in a moment, uh, either an egoic trance or, or some little something that's, that's taking all your focus, I sometimes like to pull up and think about, like, if I get to be on a deathbed, which got into our show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what would be important? Yeah. And most of my career won't make it to deathbed. The people who I connected to. Unless you're shows, holding your Dora, of course. Maybe no, I my know. Dora <laughs> is at the top shelf of my living room holding up the baby books. Brilliant. I love that image. So, no, my yeah. Dora is not on my deathbed. Uh, but Bea, whose show I was in, who's now one of my best friends, she's definitely important. And of course, Charlie and Holden and Truman and Esme and Elsa and the people who I've gathered mm -hmm. on my journey um, and who've made memories with me. I think that's what feels important now. Okay, there's so much I want to ask you about. Because, um, yeah, can you talk a little bit about your, your current family? Then, like, I know we're jumping to that, but like... Sure. Because now, now you're essentially, you're kind of a mother of five. Yeah. So I didn't know. So one of the consequences of having Charlie and Holden is that I did lose Lion. Mm -hmm. um, it's so easy. Your partner of, did you say 16, 16 years? years? Yeah. yeah. So we were schoolmates and we were kids when we met and we grew up together. Um, but when we had the children, we poured everything into them. I, I can speak for myself because he's not here, but I, I stopped attending to myself and certainly to the relationship. And which I hear often happens, it's, you know? It's, yeah. It's which is, a, again, one of the fears story. my husband and I have. Like, For sure. You know? It's a common story. Yeah. I mean, ha yeah, I, I didn't have that in the forefront of my mind when I was there. I was like thinking, I'm just going to pour everything I've got into these people so that they could be the most secure and successful as can be, mm -hmm. as I can offer that experience for them. And so, so on April for April Fools, 2011, the day before April Fools, I gave up drugs and alcohol. I did have children. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. again, like that, after a while, that whole party girl thing came back. And, uh, I do think in our business, a lot of us, uh, self medicate. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, it's very common. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I woke up to recognizing you're in trouble and this marriage is, is almost like we had stopped growing. That's the story that Lion and I tell each other and, and other people. We had stopped growing as a couple and we wanted to pres preserve our love. Uh, we shared a lot of friendship and history. So we called it before war and made a commitment to co-parenting. And so it was a, it was a one, two, three kind of event where I gave up my addiction stuff and started battling that back. I, Lion and I split very quietly in the afternoon before one of his big openings, which wow. I attended that night. Shortly thereafter, I started dating a woman. Okay. And that relationship lasted five years. Uh, she technically... I'm saying, okay, like, I'm in shock, but I, I just know the whole story. But she, I just uh, laugh yeah. at the way I just went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. she was our babysitter. 
which is not the classic female mm-hmm. story that you get to tell, where you go like, you know, that's usually the guy and goes off with the nanny or the right. babysitter. I, lo- I love that the woman went off with the babysitter. Yeah, I'm a little bit yeah. like that. And yeah. uh, and then five years. And a of, wonderful woman. I yeah, know her. she's fantastic. And uh, was a wonderful, wonderful person to uh, parent with, co-parent with for a couple of years there. And and your, your partner previous, like Lion, was very supportive of this or was he a bit in shock at first? We were both in yeah. shock that our whole lives had changed, but he wasn't in shock that coming. I uh, was with a woman because I was upfront about that back in the day mm-hmm. like it just I, he happened to steal my heart first mm-hmm. that's how I tell it and uh, and then my heart got stolen by someone else mm-hmm. and uh, five years later that relationship ended and then I dated uh, one of my children's teachers <laughs> <laughs> And We're seeing a little bit of a pattern here. Yeah. So, uh, well, what's the pattern? No, no, no. Just the babysitter, the well, teacher. Yeah. Those are the only people yeah, you're okay, around. Okay. Like, who are on the side yeah. of theater, school? Yeah. Like, what, where are you going to yeah. be? Like, so, um, I. And, and you met your current partner when you and I, like, pretty soon into we had started working yeah. on the show. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, fell in love again. Yeah. And my current partner, she has three kids. So, when you fall in love with somebody, you don't know who their children are or if you're going to get along or if your children and their children are going to get along. But we are really, really blessed to have never forced that love affair to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's quite a yummy, yummy thing going on. Yeah. And last night at my opening, by the way, there was my current partner. There was... What, what are you responding to? Oh, my, yeah, there, there's just a phone going off in the background. You know what? Yeah. Life is imperfect and everything's fine. You know what I mean? I'm just like, laughing because Michelle said that all the time during rehearsals, but yes. I, was, okay. I said what? Oh, no, like every time. Yeah, yeah I love that this is something this very is, We just go with okay. the flow. Poetry, not perfection. Just shows that we're important. There's phone, you know, we're getting phone calls. It's okay. Uh, I'm not. Okay. But I'm, <laughs> yes, you are. My phone's on silent. But anyway, <laughs> so last night at the opening, there was my current partner and my last two flames. Oh, amazing. All they all the came. Same. Yeah. All the okay. same event. So the thing about my... And, and everyone gets on. That's what I love. Well, here's you know? the thing. Love doesn't just end. Uh-huh. When I make a true commitment to love somebody, I love them. And they love me. And so in all of the cases... That's so beautiful. Well, yeah, for me, beautiful. see, the thing is that, that I, now we're getting more to the hub of the matter. Too. Mm-hmm. I think love is like extremely important. It is the only energy that can balance back death, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, fear, hate. It's, it's, it's why as artists, we've been having love songs and poems and paintings for millennia. Like it, it, it is the energetic force that balances all the other shadow sides. And so in my case, um, on my deathbed, I want to know that I loved well and was loved. And do you want to be surrounded by all these people? From yeah. Life? yeah. Sure. If I get that, great. If not, I, the way I'm eating at this point, I'm going to outlive everybody and that's a disaster. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, because I, I, after I journeyed from not really caring about what I was putting in my body to now uh, having this real strong sense of who I am and what's important, I take really good care of myself. I'm sacred, as we all are. And so, you know, even in this last show, I was like fastidious about what I was doing, how I was helping, what I was eating so my muscles could repair Mm -hmm. So I could get up the ropes and not injure myself. Oh, it showed. And, it showed. And so, uh, you know, all my little tinctures in my smoothies and whatever, I'm thinking, oh my God, like, that's great. I'm going to be like some weird vampire and everyone's going to be dead. God. All right. So I'm preparing myself for that, to be honest. Okay. I do. I do okay. think ahead, like, because that kind of grief, like to outlive a child or to, 
have to to like when I chose to enter this relationship with my current partner at 43, I thought I have to like if I if I do this, I have to risk possibly going through heartbreak again or w- one of us is going to die. Yeah, that's that's entering into any relationship like, you know, right, you, but you this time you get to choose. You're yeah. like, do I can I handle it? Like, yeah. do I and I and I just believe a life without love is not is one not worth living at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to take the risk. And and was it okay last night of um seeing everyone together? Like was it quite They a were all pretty good. They all hugged each other. Yeah. I was like, "All right. Well, look at it. and you had all those people that do love you yeah. all there." And that support is still there and Your your kids didn't see the show though. It's a little no, it's, it's a little dark. Too dark yeah. for the kids and and that's my version of protecting them. Like there's, yeah. there's so many dark sh- like fangs and mm-hmm. shards in our world they'll, they'll know they'll get i spoke about the holocaust um this morning because tomorrow is may 8th mm-hmm. and that's what i call opa liberation day because it's the end of the second world war where my grandfather survived uh, auschwitz and uh was the only survivor of his family so which, which you also created a piece of art yeah based on that story right yeah so tomorrow Incredible we'll story. be celebrating the fact that we come from that bloodline and and survived mm-hmm. And have, I mean, all of us are survivors to be here right now from the Big Bang till now. But um, ultimately, when I was becoming a parent, there's such a huge industry and lots of ideas about how things should be done. And this is my experiment. I am hoping that if I teach my children how to receive healthy love and give it, that they'll make the right choices Mm. in their trip. They'll pick the right friends. They'll pick the right partners. They'll surround themselves. And so that's more so than do you need this baby gate or that special color of the wall paper for the nursery, all of that consumery stuff that I don't totally want to participate in. Right. You kind of went, you kind of went against the norm of that. I did. Yeah. yeah, I did. And I mean, I I spent a lot of time at your house where we, where we really built the show and Mm -hmm. I, I got to see you parent often and I mean, you're incredible mother and your kids are you know so well behaved and wonderful and so fun and so full of love you know and um actually your daughter charlie got to be in the show which was amazing yeah her voice her voice great little voice last little monologue and um i just want to tell the story about holden as well with the mask oh yeah because um in the show all kidding aside i use a giant baby mask and uh Holden was very terrified of it. He was terrified. He wouldn't want to go in the room. I that it was know. In. And then he was traumatized by entering that kitchen where it was always, you know, <laughs> place. So we had to always hide it and put it away. And if Holden wanted to come downstairs, we had to warn him that the mask was put away. Yeah. Yeah. Theater babies. Yeah. He's a, he's up for anything, right? Because he's seen it all. But yeah. the mask, he wasn't going there. Charlie really enjoyed your show. Yeah. She saw oh, your show. She was she awesome. Really Her voice was incredible. You know, one take, one take to get a voice recording. Yeah. And here we are just going live with this. Well, she also, uh, we had this like mm-hmm. little flood, Toronto flood a couple days ago yeah. in the rain and oh, yeah. um, the eaves trough, I could see some shingles were in it. And I, I, I'm like a really like do it yourself kind of gal. So in the middle of this, like, I know I've always said, what don't you do? You thunder do shower situation. I like had my two show day and I'm super sore and I'm like somehow get out onto the, gonna, to the, the roof. I, I did. And, and <laughs> I'm trying to empty the shingles and move the water along. And I notice a raccoon mm. hole and I'm like, I, how do I do this? And Charlie's like, mom, you're on contract. Do you really think <laughs> this is the time to be doing this in a thunder shower and the flood? Nope. Thank you. Theater baby. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And- that's, that's a terrible idea. Although, you know, you climbing a roof after climbing the rope, I'm sure you were like superwoman just jumping. Well, up I was there. just mindful yeah. that I shouldn't go yeah. over the edge. Yeah. Yay. You still got to be careful. You still got to be careful. 
Especially on a show day. Come on. Exactly. Um, okay, let's talk about the show a little sure. bit. Can we do that? Absolutely. Um, okay, I was going on about our first coffee meeting. That was all good. And then we started the process. And um, a year, you know, it was a year ago we created the show. And then I'm still doing it. And now I'm sort of in rewrites. And, um, you know, I still don't have an answer, right? Like, yeah. you, you were asking me that as we go into sort of this second development of the show. You're like, where are you at now? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And we spent so much time exploring and experimenting with that. But um, yeah, you always had a lot of advice for me, you know, but um, I get the biggest advice is Mm -hmm. like, we're not in positions to make a Dharma choice for somebody else. Exactly. I don't feel that I have the right to, I actually take great offense when people start to encroach on each other's personal freedoms, whether it's freedom to speak, to how to dress, what music you like, what you eat, whatever, whatever. No one has any right to do that. I take, I'm personally like, a renegade like this. Mm-hmm. Like if I start to feel boxed in in any which way, I, I buck. I'm like this like little stallion that starts kicking the barn door. I'm like, mm-hmm. do not, do not, because we actually have way more freedom than we think, except uh, where we start to believe certain narratives and uh, certain societal whatever. Right. Which is how this all came about, yeah. right? Of like feeling the pressures of like, I have to have a kid. I don't know if I want right. to. How would I feel if I didn't? How would I be judged? Yeah. Know? So, I, I, I think that it's, uh, fundamentally key that everyone has to live with themselves. Like at the end of the day, may you live a life without regret. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we don't get to have that privilege. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. you don't get to fall in love with the person that you want or your heart gets smashed or things don't work out the way you saw them. You, you know? thought you wanted to be this. And then suddenly 20 years later, you're really like, no, I need to be a sous chef. Like whatever it is. Like I think, um, Joseph Campbell, somebody that, you know, said, follow your bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just sometimes hard to know what it is. Sometimes yeah. we don't, can't even hear our voices in ourselves. We can't, he- we have your parents' voice in there. You have society's voice or God or whoever you, you bow down to. And, mm-hmm. um, so I feel really grateful in my experience that I've had the courage to be who I am. So I had the courage to leave the perfect son and the daughter, the house in Parkdale, the, the 16 yeah. year, and, and then go, you know what? You're, on a suicidal precipice you're in deep addiction and if you don't do something right now and wake up and change your whole experience you're in trouble like some people can't come out of you know can't shift orientations yeah. or or uh, some people don't have self re- like reflection it's really yeah. hard for them to think about that or and so now them. because i have no mm-hmm. dependencies it's just so interesting <laughs> to be awake all the time and it's hard work to be awake six years sober don't you say six yeah yeah and so i uh i don't reach i don't get to reach for anything i don't mm. reach for food or for tv or for shopping or for gambling or for sex or whatever like i don't reach i have you have to sometimes just sit in discomfort and be in your own head or yeah. out of it uh, yeah yeah because that's where i get into trouble yeah which is if i stay I in live. my body it's better than in just in my head because we have this whole thing from the, the, mm-hmm. the neck down but most of us don't even listen and you know our, our stomachs are in twisted knots so for me a lot of my wisdom that i offer other people is um there's a in the belly lies intuition Absolutely. And I try and listen to that. Yeah. Follow. But there's moments where I'm like, I don't know. I'm right. Still but when it. your tummy flips, yeah. you ha- it's information. Yeah. yeah. If you, f- if it tightens, it's information. When it's not tightening and it's flowy and you're pooing well, like all is well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can get very lost in the labyrinth of the mind and especially of ego and especially as artists. Absolutely. Because um, everything comes from our, bo- from us. 
we are our bodies. Like it's, it's, but that being said, um, I think fundamentally for me in my trip, two of the best creations I ever made were Charlie and Holden. I know. It's when you th- like say things like that, you know, then, then it really, you know, reaches my heart. But because I, you know, we talked so endlessly about all those, you know, pros and cons of having kids sure. and, and you as an artist and what your children gave you, you know, yeah. um, and then just being in that position, like that's what this whole podcast is about as well. As I, as I talk to women who have kids, you know, I'm very inspired. It's beautiful stories. And then I might talk to someone who has all the reasonings of why they made the decision not to have children, you know, and I sort of get pulled in that. So it's also like, you know, by talking yeah. and, and figuring it out, but only I can make that decision, yeah. obviously with my husband now, but like only we can make that decision and yeah. not worry about, you know, what people think or how we're judged or whatever. Only we can make that decision. And I think the challenge that a lot of, of the women uh, face now is that um, a generation or two ago, mm-hmm. women were not having babies in their 30s and 40s. Yeah. It was like you were a mom or you were, what, a secretary, teacher? Yeah, like, there, you know you know what I mean? So never before in history have we been, been asked process. to do so many things and have to do it so well. So you have to be the best in your chosen career and you have to be the best partner or wife or Everything. daughter or mother or and And, then the, and the pressures friend. of what kind of mom to be, you know? Well, what do you mean by that? You know, I think there's more pressure on women, again, like what we were just talking about, like to still have a career, to be a mom, to feed your children the right thing. You're going to be judged anyway by people. So somebody's going to judge you, you know, the endless amounts of people judging people in the parks with their kids or walking by on the streets. Like everybody's judging everybody. And I just think, fuck that. Like it's enough. And that's partially what I'm talking about in terms of freedom. I, I think we judge each other because we're not secure. And I think that I'm... I remember Charlie having a terrible, terrible temper. Ten- I, I warned her going to the park, this is the what's going to happen. And then she flipped out. And all of the moms and all of mm-hmm. the faces looking at me as I hauled her back in the stroller, because we just got there, but she basically was like the one thing that I said no. And I, I personally think that we are having a challenge with um, parenting style right now where people think, oh, we'll just let them be you know, feral and wild. Like I think children actually thrive with boundaries. I think humans thrive with boundaries. And I think that uh, saying you're going to do something and then not doing it is very confusing for children. So you have to sort of stick to your guns. And uh, I remember knowing that I was like, oh, well, they're going to all judge me right now as my child is screaming. And like, you know, that's a moment where you're like, wow, my child wouldn't do that. Like, and I, but you know what? I am, to this day, I remember that moment of like their gaze. And I just thought, no, my job right now is to be committed to this kid. And if I go against my word right now, she won't be able to trust that what I say is real and true. She needs to know that I'm safe, that you can count on mama. And I'm, I'm an, I'm a harbor for her in her yeah. journey. I'm, I'm, you know, my father, my father also said something, some interesting things. He said, a baby brings its own wealth. Cause I was like, how am I going to have, going to have money? <laughs> And in that first year, uh, Lion landed a Walt Disney lead series voice artist gig, which was his main yeah, you're bread and butter right. voice, so, voiceover stuff. Yeah. So we Love. suddenly had a whole year. And when Holden, the first year he was born, Lion landed a lead on a cartoon series that year as well. And so it was like the year yeah. was like taken care of. Um, but you don't know that. Like, you, you know, don't. No, and I think that's yeah. the thing in life is yeah. that there are no guarantees mm-hmm. and the older I get, the more comfortable I am 
at uh, recognizing that uh, you can't grasp onto anything. Mm-hmm. It's a little Buddhist. Yeah. But, yeah. but there's like, everything's an illusion. Like you think that this thing is fixed, but the, everything is constantly in motion and changing all the time. So nothing is fixed. Mm-hmm. So to think this is who I am, or this is how things are, or, and then suddenly, you know, Trump is in power and we're in a different world or what, okay, whatever it is. We're not going like, to go there on this one. No, we're not. Yeah, but, yeah. but you know, it, it's, it's like everything is always changing. And so ultimately you get a certain amount of time on the earth. You don't know how long you're going to get. How do you want yeah, to live nothing, your life? Nothing is guaranteed, right? Nothing's yeah. guaranteed. I'm, I'm going back to the story you were just talking about, you know, Charlie at the park as I look yeah. behind you, you know, our view right now is a park filled with children, you know, but I also think of myself, we were talking about judging people or everyone's judging everyone. And then I think too, like, I'm not a parent, obviously, but, um, you know, then do I have the right? Like, what if I would have been in that park that day? Would I have judged you for your decision? I don't know. Like, as a non-parent, it's hard because I often think, oh, as a mom, I would never do that. But then I don't know being in that situation, mm-hmm. right? I can't I can't say that. I've had a really interesting ride at, at designing my own experience with that because what I thought was going to happen and what actually has happened is different. So, you know, when we would travel around in a restaurant or a museum or something, you know, we would, we'd say, Charlie, use your theater voice, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, not just about you, kid. Like yeah. other people are having an experience here too. Yeah. And so. Oh, well, that's great. I appreciate that. Cause you know, when we go out for dinner, I don't like children screaming around me. I'm, right. I, and, and, but some people are like, we, we have the right to be here too. Yeah. I also was like a public nurser. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm not going to eat my, ba- my dinner in the bathroom. So. Stole that line. Yeah. For the show. Stole that line. So yeah. I, uh, would you know if my kid was hungry i would just keep my conversation going at the table and just whip out my boob that's what it was actually built for well i yeah i know that's a whole nother it's crazy topic there's a you anyway. know i gotta do a whole podcast on breastfeeding because that's a whole thing um can we just go to the show for a second? like any yeah sure do you have any um was there do you have any crazy memories from creating the show with me, like, is there a moment that sticks out for you? Like, we went on a whole journey together, mm. you know? Um, well, I um, I loved being able to do two things with you. One was, you're hilarious. Oh, well. And that was <laughs> always you. I feel fun. like this is becoming a very serious podcast, so I'm not feeling hilarious, but yeah. No, but, yeah. But, but, but that's uh, my second yeah. point. Like, there was, there was, it was really fun to, to help, uh, have you shift gears, shift gears, shift characters and be able to constantly tease out transitions and changes. And, and just when you think, you know what this is shifted on the audience so they can, you know, you can always stay ahead of them. But what what was also um, really fantastic was to help you share you Mm -hmm. intimately with an audience. Right. And that's really hard to do. It was very hard to do. And you, you got me there. Especially because, especially if you're, if you're seen as something in the city as a, and and you have a label, whether it's comedian or you're a funny performer or whatever it is to be able to go, well, that's one part of you, but I don't believe people are one thing. Yeah. And so, uh, as we got to know each other, I was able to, to push you to, or not really push you, but encourage you to get quiet. And let us in a little bit to Which see. Which was very hard for me. <laughs> it, it was. It yeah. is. But it is hard to be really seen and heard. And I think what I would wish for you and for everybody else is may we actually get close enough to our, our true selves that we can really govern from there and and be who we are. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable right. because you have to oh, risk yes. not being accepted or um, ju- being judged. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, uh, I did a masterclass in acting 
uh, four months after that huge April Fool's Day. And uh, breakup and sobriety. That was a breakup, big... sobriety, and coming out. Yeah. So I found myself in Italy doing a master class in acting four months later. And one of the things that the masters offered us at the end of this workshop was he had us go to the mirror and look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. I will never forsake you. I am for you like the spring is to the cherry tree. And for weeks I love that. You still and remember months, that. I said right. it to myself to, to start to renew myself because we forsake ourselves all the time. Okay, for gotta, others. You're going to teach that to me and I got to, I got to start doing that. Well, yeah. yeah, but the thing mm-hmm. is, is that, you know, if you find yourself in a position where you really don't want to have a baby and suddenly you're being pulled by society to think you should, mm-hmm. then you will forsake yourself. Like if you, if you override what your true heart speaks, mm-hmm. then, and, and conversely, if you go the other way and, and say, convince yourself that I can't do this or I don't want this or whatever, but really deep, deep down inside, you do. You know, my wish for people is that we just don't forsake ourselves, mm-hmm. that we actually get to be who we are, whatever that is. And ultimately, to wrap it all up, to, to offer this place of love where we can we can all shine. That's wonderful. And that's like a, a great way to, to wrap this up. You know, you've given like light to this podcast, joy, love. You've been honest. You've just been amazing and very inspiring as well. And I, and I just want to say that, you know, you did pull out all that truth and vulnerability and honesty out of me. And, you know, and now I'm just still where I was a year ago, being on the fence about, about what to do, but moving forward and, and, you know, listening to all the women that I'll have on this podcast, whether they are moms or they don't want mom or they don't want to be a mom or they're still conflicted, you know, hopefully. And, and really listening to my own. Well, you're going to hear lots of voices of people that you respect and trust and, um, and you're, and when they speak, some of it's going to ring true to you and some of it's not. But I, I think that as you journey, it is a journey yeah. of becoming. Yeah. And, and I, and I got to figure it out and, and not judge and hopefully not judged for <laughs> what's being said on here. Cause everyone's entitled to their own opinion and their own truth. And as you said, we got to just stop fucking judging people and, well, and let people just be who they are and make their own choices. Yeah. Right. And you know, let's not forget that the working title for your piece was on the fence. Yeah. For a long time. And, I actually don't think it's a terrible idea t- that you're going to be performing this again in Edinburgh soon. And you're still, it's still relevant. Mm-hmm. It's still resonating. This, this, this is a, that's why your piece is um, poignant. You've been offering where you really are to an audience and you go this way. Sometimes you go that way and we won't give any of the surprise yeah. endings away, but what, what happens yeah. at the end, but um, good luck on your journey. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on uh, on this podcast and being our very first guest. Um, super exciting. And um, I just want to thank you, Michelle Pollack. Um, and I've been Crystal Bartelzi, and this is the podcast, All Kidding Aside. If you want to comment or have any questions or anything you want to say, you can reach us at allkiddingasidepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and tune in next time. That's been our podcast, All Kidding Aside. I've been your host, Crystal Martelzi. And if you like what you're listening to, why not go on iTunes and subscribe? You can even leave us a review. Five stars would be amazing. And if you want to get in touch with us with any comments or questions, you can reach us at allkiddingasidepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.